Welcome to more than a few words of marketing podcast for small business owners. My name is Lorraine Ball and I help small businesses become big businesses. And today we're going to be talking about a very specific niche in the small business industry. My guest is Brendan Frazier from Gecko Roofing. Brendan Fitzgerald. Oh, you know what? He even looks like Brendan Frazier. I've been doing this all week. Um, I knew I should have said something. <laughs> Allison should have corrected me before I was thinking I was having coffee with a movie star. Brendan Fitzgerald with Kick a Roofing. Now that I've completely botched that, Brendan, tell folks a little bit about yourself. Well, first thing, I do look exactly like Brendan Fitzgerald. <laughs> and uh, I just, it, it happens all the time. Every day I get mistaken in Starbucks or wherever I'm eating it. People ask my other Um No, my name is Brendan Fitzgerald. I own a, a small roofing company here in Indianapolis called Gitco Roofing Contractors. We're you know, less than a million dollars a year. We, we really strive to do good work. Um, we have a great little, what we feel is a great little place in our market here, which is a huge market, um, and we really enjoy what we do. We're, we're, not, we're not the biggest. Um, we're not, uh, you know, we don't, we don't sell multi-million dollar roofs to, you know, uh, Walmart or things like that. We're much more the uh, kind of the, the niche market, smaller contractor that really enjoys what we do and really has a, we, we like to think we have a high level quality. Cool. And we're really glad you could be here. We um, we got introduced to um, Brendan um, when we did their, their web design project and really got a chance to get an inside look on their business. Um, joining me this morning is Allison Carter, who's going to be my fact checker from now on. <laughs> Just here to keep everything straight, people. <laughs> so this morning, um, we've been talking over the last couple of weeks about different niche niches where, you know, how do you do marketing to this group or that group? And, and the, the niche that kind of I want to focus on this morning is the modern homeowner because they're different than um, the way I think consumers bought products like yours 25 and 30 years ago. For sure. So yeah. how, do you, how do you go about marketing to busy, professional, modern homeowners? It, it's really, I think, with, with many things in our society, American society, it's about speed and efficiency. Um, I think the average person um, that needs anything, whether it is a, uh, a new car or a new roof or a pack of gum, they want it quickly and efficiently, and they want it good. I mean, I think that's kind of the parameters we shoot for with our marketing and, and our product. Um, you know, not to say that we can do a project tomorrow if you call me today, because that's not what we do, but um, we're really reaching that specific, you know, that market, which is typically these days a little bit younger demographic than in the past, at least in my experience. I mean, it's about speed. I mean, it is really about speed and bullets and information, and it's it kind of in a package deal and getting through as quickly as possible as efficiently as possible, um, knowing that that maybe don't potentially the only interaction you're going to have to make the difference to get the to get the project and to help them out. Cool. So how do you um, uh, market? I mean, what kind of tools do you use to reach the customer that's really about speed and, and maybe convenience? Sure. We, well, we do. We have a couple different um, uh, kind of approaches. Um, one is we do a, some traditional, which I would call, you know, like uh, print advertising, but we do it in a little less than traditional way. We do some stuff with Andy's List, which is a very targeted, very specific market that those people are buying what we are selling. It's no questions asked. It's kind of the equivalent of somebody walking onto a car lot. That's exactly what you They're not there to buy groceries. They're there to maybe buy a car. So that, that, that's good. And that, that's a little more traditional. Um, it's also um, 
uh, a little more expensive. It, it, it is print media. Um, they have some online options that we haven't really gotten into yet. Um, but the print stuff is, is good. Again, it's very specific. But the non-traditional has been really, which has been great for us, especially in the last 12 or 18 months, has been kind of the social media approach to things. Um, very active on Twitter. And of course, we link everything together like everybody else does. So Twitter, Facebook, um, uh, the, uh, the Indiana website. Uh, it's really, uh, th that has lately has been a great approach for us. Um, and it's it, in, in terms of speed and efficiency, I don't think there's any better way to get people the information they need as quickly as possible than Twitter or Facebook or social media. So um, let's take a look at, at your Twitter strategy a little bit, because um, I mean, I you know you kind of do a mix of things on I Twitter. Do. You 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 let a little bit of your personality come through. I, I mean, that, that's good. I mean, it, it, I, I think that's an important um, part of it. How do you reach out to potential customers through Twitter? Um, a lot of it is just direct. Uh, it's hey, if you need a new roof today, call me. You know, email me, tweet me, check out the face. That's really just if you need help, I can help you, and I can talk to you today. Um, the other, we kind of have allied ourselves with Twitter directly and on accident, on accident or indirectly with some of our manufacturers. Um, we're an Owens Corning approved contractor who is the second largest shingle manufacturer in the country. We're a GAF Elk approved uh, contractor who is the largest. And we also partner with uh, VLUX USA, who is, they make the absolute best skylights in the world. And we will kind of, we won't pitch things, but for example, this morning I ordered three skylights for a project we'll be doing next week. And I tweeted, hey, we just ordered three new skylights from VLUX USA, you know, and it, it pretty much just says the best skylight from the best roofer. That's how we approach it. So it's, it's a little less direct. It's kind of more of a branding with bigger brands because, I mean, we're, uh, you know, we have, what, 1.2 million people in this, in this area. And we're not, um, our brand is not, and it's never going to be national. We don't want it to be for that matter. But Vivox, Owens Corning, GAF, Lamanco, some of those manufacturers are huge. They have a massive footprint, and if they can tag us, we'll ride right along. Absolutely. It's kind of leveraging that relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Um, how do you find, because that's kind of an interesting side note, did the, guy, did the guys at Vivox or Corning, do they ever tweet back? Um, some of them, Owens Corning is not great with tweeting. GF is not great with tweeting. They're more about, hey, we're the greatest. You know, we're a product and we're great and we're huge and we're Walmart. And that's great. That's fine. That, that's who they sell to. But um, companies like Lamanco, who makes roof ventilation products, almost exclusively aluminum uh, products, and especially Deluxe, they are very active. Every time I think I've ever um, tweeted anything about Deluxe, they will retweet back. They will forward our tweet out, um, or I'm sorry, retweet. Um, they will really put it out there for, for everybody to see. Um, and they consistently do that with other people they are, you know, tweeting with. And they, they, daily they will retweet things. And I'm, I'm not sure who does their, their Twitter accounts, but they do a great job of really it's kind of reciprocating the respect is what it is. Yeah, and I think that's a great. I think that's a really good takeaway for um, for larger companies is is that idea that if you're selling to a network of subcontractors or or contractors that are representing your brand, supporting their social media efforts um, is a, is really a win-win. Absolutely, I, I think some of the com companies like Lamanco and the US, they really understand that they aren't selling four million skylights to one person. They're selling four million skylights to about three point five million different people, mm -hmm. and they're selling three at a time, two at a time, I mean, one at a time. You know, it's it's really they they've done a great job understanding that, and I it's great, it's fun. That's one of the other things. It's fun to interact with that. And say, hey, look, you want to like tweet me? It's interesting, and it helps 
you know, it helps keep the, the social media a little more quiet. Well, and just as I think it's a good message for larger companies, I think it's a great message for smaller companies. You don't have to try to go it alone. You can use your your resources. You can use people that you work with every day to expand your reach and reach new audiences that you don't have access to. So if you're not reaching out to your vendors, if you're not reaching out to your business partners, you're missing a huge opportunity. I, and I, to add one more thing, I think it's critical for somebody like me, like our company, in a market like this. Again, it's very small comparatively to you know Chicago or LA to partner with those larger companies because. Let's face it, how interesting is Ruby? I mean, it's, it's only interesting if it doesn't work, right? I mean, that's definitely have a problem. So um, if we can reach more people, because I don't have 4 million followers, you know, because I'm a roofing contractor. It's kind of boring. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, well, I, find it, I, I sleep on it every night, so I find it very interesting. But um, if, if, if we can garner more attention that way, as, as, you know, as opposed to just 180 followers or something like that, we can really spread our footprint, even if it's just in our local little market here. It really, I think it's, it's important. I think it's very important to our success, especially when it comes to social media marketing. Oh, I, I, definitely, um, I definitely think so. I mean, in, um, because we don't really have that same kind of resale channel, but, you know, we'll do in this market, we'll retweet things that, like Reynolds said, you know, other web design companies, other social media companies, and share the love that way. And sure. I, think, I think that's really the key is um, being successful in social media starts with kind of that whole sharing the love and leveraging each other's networks. It does, yeah. I think a lot of people who first got on Twitter don't understand that. They think you're just trying to communicate with one person at mm -hmm. a time. And as a business, if you're communicating with one person at a time, you're doing something very wrong. I mean, it's great. There's a prime in place for that to communicate with that client. You know that specific client one at a time, but if you're if you're trying to get a little bit broader grasp on things, I think it's that's critical. I think it's critical. Well, and I saw a really interesting quote yesterday that I thought really applies to this. It's from um, Carmel Bruce. This is Twitter handle. I don't know him in real life, but I saw this and thought it was interesting. He's a mortgage broker, and he said that um, Twitter will never close a mortgage deal, but it can start the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's probably a very accurate way to put it, and, and that's. Are the leads we've generated through Twitter and social media? That's exactly what it was. I've never had anybody call me or tweet and say, you've got a roof. I have a leak, what do I do? Or, oh man, you guys are a roofing company, can you help me? Well, absolutely we can. You know, Let's have a conversation and talk about the problem. But I've never closed the deal on Twitter. <laughs> so, how many leads would you say? Um, you know what? I've gotten, I'd probably say, since I started tweeting exclusively, oh, I, I say exclusively, um, when I started tweeting with a business mindset, because I still have some fun with the Twitter on the personal side with that kind of account, um, I would say probably a dozen or so, which um, it's, it doesn't seem like a huge amount, and it's been less than a year. I think we started last February, so um, in nine months, um, and we closed some deals. Actually, I just closed a deal this week from uh, somebody I went to high school with that saw my tweet about wow. um, Literally, you know, and that's, uh, you know, in terms of volume, it's not, it's a $9,000 project. I didn't pay anything for it. I, I didn't, it, it, I didn't have to really, I mean, I had to work the sale kind of, you know, quote unquote, the physical stuff. But I didn't have to spend $12,000 or $20,000 on a yellow page of ad to get that. And it's literally free. I mean, it's, it's, for me, it's free. I take the time to do it and, and my time's involved, but it's great. I mean, and how much time would you say that you typically spend, let's say, in a normal week, how much time might you spend on social media? You know, I, I, I try. I actually commit. I, I make a, kind of a conscious decision every day. I, I did this a long time ago because when I first started working with you guys, um, Taylor and, and, uh, and Jay were very much like, you've got to be this. You've got to be consistent. So I set out to do that. I do at least an hour a day, but broken up over time. Plus my little 
uh, mobile device here really helps me keep up with that. If I'm waiting with my supplier, I'll tweet something. If I'm in line at, uh, or waiting in traffic, I'll tweet something. So I say total about, I say anywhere from five to seven hours a week. Um, and I usually don't do a whole lot of Facebooking because I have my Twitter account linked to that. So I do, I know I cheat, I cheat. Um, but I, I, I do some, uh, when I have a longer message, a more important message, I will use Facebook exclusively. But anymore, I'm so used to my life in 140 characters or less. I'm, <laughs> it's convenient, you know it is. It is well, and I think the um, two things. One, I think the mobile device really. Um, if people are not mobile, they don't understand. They look at Twitter and they think, "How do you have time for it?" But like you, I tweet on the run. Mm -hmm. There's always. Um, if I'm stuck in traffic and if I'm at a red light, yes, if the car is moving, you have to put it down. Because mine is against the law. <laughs> yeah, that's what she says on the radio. Um, but you're right, waiting in a coffee shop, um, you know, a few minutes downtime, uh, you know, taking, and really with the mobile device, it takes less than a minute to just hop on, sure. put a note up. Um, we do recommend that people not push their entire screen. I, I, I know. <laughs> um, and I think part of it is because Facebook, you really only have to update once or twice a day. Um, and so all that extra information sometimes will just flood people's streams, and it can almost work against you. Yeah, because I have to admit, um, I know I shouldn't do it, but the convenience factor has really kind of played with my mind. I have to admit, I have actually unfriended some people on Facebook um, because of just I mean, it gets mundane and boring, and I, I, I need something more interesting. So, at the risk of being a complete total hypocrite, which I am, <laughs> um, I, I understand what you're, completely what you're saying, and I know you. I actually, I think Allison was the one that got me to separate my LinkedIn. I can't. Well, it, was, it was early last year. Um, after I after we started with Rampage, and I, I did, I said, I'm that it's done. Well, that's, no more left. that's the first step. I think that uh, the next step is uncoupling your Facebook. So have, you, have you ever gotten a lead from Facebook? Um, only because it was linked to Twitter. See? See, it was only because it was linked to Twitter. Um, I've had a lot of difficulty uh, garnering the attention on Facebook because people go, I, I don't think people really want to frame companies that much on Facebook. And that's in my experience. I tried, but I mean, it's kind of silly to say, please follow my company on Facebook. And I see that all the time. And it's, a, I, it's a little I, desperate. It is desperate, and, and, and again, it's back to the whole roofing is not that interesting. I mean, again, it's it's a, it's a way to make a living, but it's not people aren't running out going to roofing conventions. And you're completely right. Uh, the research is showing that the average um, the average consumer, not your social media people like say Stephen Shattuck, who likes over <laughs> a thousand companies on Twitter, on Facebook, excuse me. The average person likes nine companies and brands on, on Facebook. That's it. That's a pretty small pool, which means it's an extremely competitive um, industry for those likes. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the things that I was going to say is um, uh, an application like Hootsuite. Mm -hmm. On Hootsuite, when I log in, I've got my two Twitter accounts and my Facebook. So I can jump from one to the other gotcha. in the same application. So I don't have to push my Twitter updates to Facebook. If I want to say something on Facebook, I don't even have to leave this application. You can just set it up to do it on all kinds of things. So I can just say, okay, this I want to post here or here. Gotcha. So that's the first thing. The second thing, the kind of thing that I might do on Facebook is, because um, we were talking about the fact that you've done some Habitat for Humanity that's houses. That's correct. That's correct. So photographs of a Habitat build, 
That would be good. Yeah, that would probably be a great idea, um, especially if it garners some uh, sort of um, emotional strength. You know, if it really kind of pulls somebody, that would be actually excellent. So let's leave social media for a minute and let's um, let's switch over to other types of marketing. Um, what else do you guys do? What else has has worked or what used to work that isn't working anymore? I, I tell you what, I, I'll, my first foray into marketing, we'll call it advertising marketing um, for now, not to fill you guys in, into one into one group, but my first experience with anything like that was yellow pages. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I paid a lot of money for a very small ad. I got no less than 600 phone calls from that thing. Mm -hmm. However, five, literally 599 of those calls were for website development and half the shirt. People were trying to sell you stuff. Yes. <laughs> I got. Um, I got. Um, actually, I got two phone calls for projects. One of which was a $600 repair, which we got. It was great. The other of which was a roof that um, the guy. Want to know how much something costs? Which that's what I tell people. If you want to know how much something costs, call somebody from the OAs because that's what they do. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a huge disaster. That was a, the worst ROI on anything ever. I mean, it, it was not not effective. Um, and then we started getting a little bit smarter and started realizing, that, okay, we're not gonna, we can't even if we could reach everybody in our market. We don't want to reach everybody in our market mm -hmm. because if we do, that means. We're going to get that work, and that means we can't handle that much work, which is just as bad as young enough work in our case. Oh, yeah. So um, too, too much is, is such a thing of what we do. Um, but we kind of graduated, and we really looked at more at the specific marketing, and really um, we did some really strong networking um, groups, some private networking groups that really were – we had some mixed results with um, – there were some broader groups that were, um, like the Chamber of Commerce, that were so broad that it had the same net effect of yellow pages. Mm -hmm. I had, you know, they drop your card in the fishbowl and you get all the cards. And you get all the calls and things like that and it ends up being a telemarketer's paradise, local telemarketer's paradise. Um, then we kind of, once the, really the social media thing came along, that really fit into our mindset. We're a small company, we do good work, we don't want to reach everybody, and it's fun. <laughs> that, that those things really play into what we're about and how we approach things. I've always been more of a guerrilla mentality when it came to things like that. It's still a, uh, I think a 2002 term for the guerrilla marketing. Mm -hmm. um, we've always been a lot more uh, prone to how can we find a way in the back door with this thing. Not, hey, this is our billboard on I-465 or, hey, this is our giant cover on the inside of the elevators. We've never been about that kind of thing. We've always been about getting the word out about what we are. Um, we're a lot more interested in the people who want to know more about us. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. People just want to know, hey, can you do this? Yeah, we're looking at We want to know people who know, who ask the question. What do you guys do? Oh, you do that too? Oh, how long have you been to do? Those kind of things, that's what really sparks our interest. That's what gets us into the more or less the sales mode of things, you know. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because, I, you know, I've done a lot of work with contractors, and um, the thing about yellow pages, um, like you said, you know, people are looking for price comparisons. I always wondered about companies that put on their, uh, all of their ads, see our ad in yellow pages because they were spending all this money to drive people to the one place they could find all their competitors. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, they're... Uh, I did that in 2005, and in 2006, I'm not, I don't know if anybody here knows this, but there was a massive hailstorm here in 2006, mm. which for a roofer, that, they call it skydiving, because it literally, <laughs> money is like it's falling from the sky. There were, 
the latest statistic I, I had heard, the last one I heard was in 2008, was there were over 100,000 roofs just in Central Indiana that had to be redone. Wow. Um, and in 2007, there were, uh, in 2005, when I did my yellow pages out, there were 96 roofing companies in the yellow pages. In 2007, a year and a half later, there were 355 because of the health bill. Many contractors came from out of town. Custom home builders were now roofing contractors. Oh, yes, yeah, they could do it. Smith Brothers builders, who they were on the south side, they had they were building 600 garages at a time. Or in a year, also North Smith Brothers Restoration Hail Contract. Yeah. <laughs> and I believe I've even seen you speak out against these kind of fly by night. Very much so, very much so. And we are very, um, a few things we pride ourselves on is we consider ourselves environmentally conscious, as you can be for a roofing contractor. We like sustainable materials. We'll do slate roofing, pile roofing, which lasts 400 years. That's great. We also, now, the predominant factor or predominant material we have in Indiana is asphalt based shingles. Mm -hmm. However, um, the green factor, we recycle a lot of our stuff, and also the local factor. We are a big local company. We like local people. Um, we, we try not to buy um, our material from national suppliers. There's a couple of local suppliers that are locally owned and operated just in Indiana that we love, um, but sometimes we're, you know, forced our hand, our hand is forced. So, um, yeah, that and the, the green and the local stuff, and when the guys come from out of town, they come from out of town, they kind of, uh, they, they great salesmen. I mean, these cars all the day, all, all day long, we'll sell you these cars. And then after six months, they leave and they leave their warranty um, sitting on your, on your front porch. Now, granted, we get a lot of work from those people because they do have a warranty issue, but these poor homeowners, some of these people, I mean, they have to pay to have the roof fixed, which never should be fixed in the first place. So we are very much against what we call hail chasers or storm chasers. Um, there's, I know a lot of guys that work in that industry, well, in our industry that do that kind of thing. and. Uh, they're, uh, that's what they do. I mean, it's kind of their niche. And they do, some of those guys do millions and millions of dollars of traveling around the nation. This year alone, I mean, oh. Joplin, Missouri, the hailstorms in Texas here, the hailstorms there with the key hailstorm in Phoenix, Arizona this year. Um, I get called all the time, hey, are you going to go out west? Are you going to go down south? I mean, the Alabama thing, mm -hmm. we're actually, there's a labor shortage here for us now and material shortage here now because everything is being shipped to Joplin, to Mobile, to Phoenix. It's, yeah, so the, I feel like they're stealing our thunder. That's, really. a, that's a wonderful lesson, though. No matter what industry you're in, there's probably some bottom feeders. There are in our industry. We work really hard to to talk about the really sketchy, shady, terrible web design and social media companies. And there's a lot of them, even right here in central Indiana, not that I'll name names. <laughs> but you can help show clients what they should be looking for, what they need to watch out for, and what the warning signs were. Even if they don't wind up buying from you, I think it's just part of professional ethics is to tell people this is what you need to know to avoid getting ripped off. I agree. And, and the, really the only way for me to combat those types of scenarios to where we have clients, you know, we'll compete. We compete against those people sometimes. It's really to educate the homeowner. Mm -hmm. I mean, and essentially that's most of my job anyway, to educate the homeowner, but to educate my homeowner about what we are, what we can provide, and that we are local. Um, and that doesn't just mean I have a driver's license from here. I was raised here. I was born here. I grew up here. I went to school in Indiana. Um, it's very important for us to keep those things. Now, I love the vacation in South Carolina and Florida. Mm -hmm. um, it's beautiful there. So this is my home. This is where my kids go to school. You know, my wife and I, we have created a family at home here. It's very important for us to kind of to protect the market as much as we can from Absolutely. the guys who come in and, and leave six months later. But I also think um, when you do have an opportunity with Sky Diamond, um, that 
having marketing in place, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're watching, I mean, your business, heating and air conditioning, um, plumbing in flood season, watching the weather reports and being ready to have some tweets or a blog post or an email newsletter scheduled to go out Definitely. As the weather is hitting, as people are thinking about it, it's good. It's good marketing. Yeah, I think that's, I think that it kind of hits on the, what I as I've seen is the key difference between the actual advertising and the actual marketing thing. One is I, I've always felt that marketing is people knowing who you are, all right, and people knowing you top of mind. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I know a roofer. I know that guy. I mean, they did my neighbors, or I saw their yard sign, or um, versus oh, these guys uh, they have this big ad on 465, which the people do. I mean. Um, and that's advertising. That's more mass. So I, I much prefer to get a phone call. How do you know my name? Um, oh, well, my neighbor referred you. That's really that. That's how we love it. We love to hear that language because that we know we're doing a good job or a great job. That's what we strive to do, and we're able to make them happy, and we and they're willing to tell people they know about us. Absolutely. And that is free. I mean, that is free. As long as, in my opinion, as, as long as you care enough about what you do. Those things are how you're going to be successful that way. Oh, you know, and, and um, uh, companies that track, like, their closing rate, um, a, a lead from the Yellow Pages versus um, a lead from a referral, you're going to close the, the lead from the referral Absolutely. way more often. Allison's got her hand up, which means we have a question. We have a question from someone on Twitter named Red Acre. Thanks for your question. He says that he knows that Yellow Pages is dead tree media. What about Welcome Wagon? I assume he means when people move into a neighborhood, the yeah. gift basket yeah. and all that. <laughs> um, we've actually looked into that. I, and I've considered it. I've, I, I haven't done it in a couple of years, but there's a lot of real estate companies who will create a basket, or not even a basket, literally, but a, a book of flyers, an envelope full of flyers. And they've asked us to be in those before. And I considered it because it gets to people in a great area um, who very, very well may have that specific need that we can help them with. But at the same time, I think when I did the cost analysis on it, I didn't think it was going to be direct enough for what they were charging. So um, at the time, and I have to admit, I think the last time I looked at it was 2008 or 2009, it did make perfect sense for us. Um, now, there are definitely, I think Angie's List does a very specific mm-hmm. mailer to new homeowners. Um, things like that would probably suit us a little bit better, but again, we have to really, with a small company, we really have to pay attention to our, our, our lives, return on investments, on things like that. So we're always kind of skittish to spend the money on things that are more generic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. exactly. I think um, in my experience, products and services that you are likely to use often as a new homeowner, um, restaurants, dry cleaners, um, grocery store types of things, those make great sense in a welcome basket. Um, A service that you know that you're going to need if you've moved. Dentist, optometrist, um, you know, if you're moving in, you're going to need those things. Those make sense. It is a harder sell um, for a company like yours unless it is a neighborhood that's about, that you know the neighborhood's about 20 years old. Because now you know you've got a lot of potential customers. Uh, but a lot of those welcome baskets are going to to neighborhoods where there are five-year-old homes. Brand new. It's not yeah, market new. for you. Yeah, brand new. And maybe on the repair end it might be, but really. And the other, I, I remember now that we're talking about, one of the bigger concerns was, was I had was 
that I, I think those would be more effective for us if I knew that the homeowner was moving from out of town. Yeah. But it, it, let's face it, it, a lot of people have a list. They have a Rolodex that has a roofer that they know or that has a plumber or a lawn service that they know that provides good service. They're going to go to the other house that they're moving within the county or even the surrounding counties here. So that was one of the big turnoffs for me was, well, where are they coming from? Mm -hmm. They're coming from Southern California. Let's put some information from them. But honestly, we're not going that fast here in Indiana. I mean, uh, it's just not happening. So I, I think that that was one of my biggest reservations, right? Cool. All right. Um, the half hour has absolutely flown by. I agree. <laughs> this has been awesome. Um, closing thoughts. Last thing you want to tell people about either marketing in this business or about your company. I'll give you a chance to, well, uh, to self-promote. Um, really, I, I think in terms of our company, I would like people to think of us um, as the small, not the biggest, but the best roofing company in Indiana. And um, I, I almost always, uh, in my fleet, is Indianapolis' best roofing company. We don't want to do $40 million of business every year. Um, we want to help people. And we really care um, to the point that I was a lot of sleep during the wake away. Uh, it, it just, just by my nature, um, my, my crew and I really care about what we do. We're very home, Indianapolis-oriented, and we love to help people here. That's, that's, what, that's really what, we, what we're about. Uh, I think that is a wrap for this week. Allison, thanks again. Thank um, if you've enjoyed today's program and you want to learn more about marketing in a traditional or non-traditional environment, social media or PR, be sure to check out our blog at www.roundpeg.biz. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.